knew, like for years, Tom had tried to get me to speak. Years. And I kept avoiding it because I knew if I did it, he'd make me do it again. And here we are two months later. But I guess, you know, God probably had something to do with that too. Um, Mike asked me this morning if I was wearing glasses so I'd look smarter. (laughs) The answer is no. I actually broke one of my contacts this week, so I have to wait for them to get a new one and yay. So uh, my eyes are not as great as usual, which is not great generally, but that's okay. It's fine. I can see what I need to see, right? (sighs) Let's start in prayer. (laughs) Father God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity. Don't tell Tom. And I ask that you would bless the message and um, use whatever I have lowly brought to this, that you would use it for your glory. In the midst of the message, if there's something you want to come out that we didn't talk about over the week, that's totally fine. Help me to be open to that. Help us to receive this message and learn from you and be able to take it and continue to grow in our relationship with you. In your precious and holy name, amen. Amen. So I did not get to listen to Katie's. I was camping last weekend, if you can believe it. Mm -hmm. And I survived. But uh, so I didn't get to listen to Katie's message until later this week. And as I'm listening to it, I'm going, man, what if it's the same as mine? (laughs) But it's not. It it occurred to me throughout her message that it's like hers is kind of the start where we need to be, and mine is the next step. So God has something planned for this. And I I had told her on a message that it was like two halves of the same whole. Um, And I think that's, that's the truth. I looked at several different things to talk about, but this one about cleaning up our house was forefront and I was pretty sure that was him but I was kind of playing around with the other ones like maybe and praying and asking people to pray and this is clearly the one that that came out so um so Katie talked about getting the clutter out and we all have plenty of clutter this is what we do after that clutter is out um how do I make how do we dedicate our home internal and external but mostly internal to God and what he has for us um and hopefully some of this will explain some of that it's very uh, scripture reference heavy, so if anybody misses any of them, just let me know. Message me on Facebook or talk to me, and I'll get them to you. Um, but what I wanted to start with, so back in the day in the 90s, <clears throat> I was in a group called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at Kent State University, and I loved that group. Like Probably the greatest amount of growth in my faith was during those four years. Um, it was amazing. Um, But anyway, at the time, there were all these little booklets that people, Christians, were passing out. Do you remember that way back? Okay. So there was one called My Heart Christ's Home, and that was one that we passed out a lot. Uh, You can find it online for free. I'm sure you can get the book somewhere if you really are desperate to read it. It's very short, obviously. But this is the main idea. Christ lives in us, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but our heart is like it has rooms like we've been talking about with the church with the plans katie talked about it and now here we are again so again god might have a message here Um, but in the book the library was like your mind's study so the things that you think about the things that you study the things that you um spend some of your i don't know your brain power working on those would be things in the library the dining room is the room of appetites and desires That can be good or bad, but it depends on what comes first, the appetites or God. The living room is where the writer, the author, and Christ would meet together. Um, 
the workroom was our talents and our skills. I, probably our spiritual gifts would fall in there as well. The rec room was the playroom, what do we do for fun. Um, and the hall closet, hmm. The hall closet is where we hide things. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so he said, the author says, yes, there was a small closet up there on the landing because Jesus had asked him about it, just a few feet square. And in that closet behind lock and key, I had one or two little personal things that I did not want anyone to know about and certainly did not want Christ to see them. I knew there were dead and rotting things left over from the old life. So throughout this, be thinking about your heart as Christ's home and how you are dealing with those various rooms or not dealing with them and what you can do to improve that. So the first, I have several questions. That's, I, instead of points, I went with questions. The first one is, how do we know that Christ dwells in us? We hear that a lot growing up. If you grew up in the church, you heard it all the time. Christ is in my heart, etc. What does that mean? How do we know he's really there? Well, there are several scriptures that address that. Um, this one is in Ephesians, and Paul is writing this from prison, and I'm always amazed at the things that he wrote when he was in prison, because if I was in prison, I'd be pitying myself and, you know, trying to get out, but he's like, nope, I'm going to encourage other people that are believers. Okay, so Ephesians 3, 14 to 19, and I'm going to read it in a couple of different um, versions, because I want you to kind of hear some of the subtleties. But uh, in the ESV, it says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. I mean, <laughs> so Paul is telling us right there that he dwells in our hearts, and that if we take advantage of that kind of relationship, look at how abundantly we can grow and how much we can learn about his love. I mean, it's just astounding. Then in the message, it says that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. We talk about accepting Christ into our hearts. That's what this is about. We're accepting him in to, as Tom says, be the, the leader and forgiver in our life. So he's, uh, he's in charge of everything in the house. That's, what, that's our goal. That's what we want. I don't think we're all very good at that. I know I'm not. But that's what we're striving to do is, is have him be in control of that, all of that. Then I don't know if you guys know about the amplified version. I love comparing scripture to the Amplified. Because in uh, Hebrew, and I assume Greek as well, um, you can translate a word in more than one way. And so the people who have made various translations of the Bible have had to choose, okay, what does this passage mean with this word? Does it make more sense this way or this way? And of course, with the help of the Holy Spirit, they've chosen a word. So everything we read is, is accurate. There's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But when you hear the other possible words, sometimes it gives you just a, another flavor of what this could mean or how this can impact you. So for this reason, <clears throat> grasping the greatness of the plan by which Jews and Gentiles are joined together in Christ, that's in parentheses, so that's the extra. I bow my knees in reverence before the Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on earth all derives its name, God the first and ultimate Father. May he grant you out of his riches and glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self 
the indwelling, your innermost being and personality, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith, and may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded and loved, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love, and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. So, yeah, right? Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you, obviously the Bible's gonna give you everything we need, but when you hear some of these other ways that phrases could go or these um, additions to, because, you know, I don't know if you've, how many of you have studied the language, but there are words in other languages that don't have an equal in English. And I feel like that's the issue with some of the Hebrew is that we don't have an equivalent. So these extra phrases kind of help you get a better understanding of what those words are supposed to mean. So, oof, yeah. <clears throat> so that's how we know that he dwells in us. The Bible tells us. It's, it's directly, and there were lots and lots of other scriptures that I could have, you know, listed and read through. Um, I didn't want to be here for two hours. So if you want to search them, feel free. I've got references here that will tell you more, but there's just tons and tons of scripture that talk about him dwelling in us. But what does that mean? What does it mean that he lives in us? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many of you have thought about that, um, but several years ago, I really wanted to understand. I go through these phases where there's just some one thing that I really want to try to understand. I look at every possible resource I can find. I talk to people for confirmation and, you know, all kinds of things. And this was one of those. What does that mean that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Most people uh, stop at, we have to be careful with what we do with our bodies, meaning, let's be honest, dieting. A lot of people think that's about dieting or working out. That's included. I'm not saying it's not, but there's so much more to that. Um, I remember I ended up writing a blog about it because I just had so much information I wanted to get it out, a blog post, years and years ago. And I, when I finally decided to what tattoo I wanted, that's what I got. This means temple in Hebrew. And the whole reason I got it is I wanted to be reminded that everything that I do, everything I say, everything I think, everything I see, everything that, that uh, my body and mind perceive those are things that are coming into the temple Holy Spirit. And how appropriate or inappropriate are those things for the temple? And I know for myself, there's a lot of things that probably shouldn't be there. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. But our striving should be that our temple is as sanctified as we can possibly make it, with God's help, of course, for him to be dwelling there. I mean, I wouldn't want him to, like... My room at home, my actual room is not clean. Never has been. I've been that way since I was little. I would be embarrassed if he came in there. So if I have any rooms like that in my heart, I have to declutter, get rid of that junk so that there is room for him. But the next step to that is what do we do once we've decluttered? We still have things that we enjoy, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying those things. But how much are you enjoying them over your relationship with Jesus? Are you choosing those things instead of him? Um, 
I fall, fall victim to that just like anybody else does. So we just have to think about how do we go past getting rid of the clutter and get rid of the things that we even consider good that might be getting in the way of our relationship with him. Um, I looked up the Greek word for temple. This is Hebrew, and I don't remember how to say it. But the one for Greek is naus. Um, so it's te- technically it's for the temple in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. It generally denotes the temple building itself. But it's also used figuratively for the church as the indwelling place of the Holy Spirit. The other phrase I looked up was inner being. And in Greek, that's esoanthropos. I think that's how the computer said it. <laughs> And that literally means man inside. So the deepest part of our being is where the Holy Spirit is. Um, Yeah. So uh, another scripture that that supports this is Romans 8, 9 through 11. And this is ESV. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, and that's all of us, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ, Jesus from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Hmm. Okay, so the third question? Yeah. Third question is, what do we do with the fact that he lives in us? How should that change us? So here we have a few uh, scriptures from 1 Corinthians. The first one is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And what that says to me is, <clears throat> kind of what this, the purpose of this is, is that anything that we are a part of in any way, um, we are exposing the Holy Spirit that lives in us to those things. So if I want to watch, I'm trying to think of something, Game of Thrones, which I like, but should I? Because there's a lot of stuff in there that I don't think he would be really happy that I saw. You know what I mean? So I have to think about being careful about what I watch. And that's not something I think about very often. So this is very much a message to me, not just the, us as a group, um, that that's something I need to, to work on. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. And I think we're included in that if anyone destroys the temple. We can destroy ourselves. We can destroy ourselves with... Um, mind-altering substances. We can destroy ourselves with the people we let influence us that we hang around with. We can destroy ourselves by greed and, you know, wanting these things that God doesn't necessarily have for us. We can definitely destroy ourselves by coveting. I don't know about you, but when I compare myself to other people and I think that by society's standards I'm lacking, then I'm focusing, focusing on that upset rather than all the glories that God has brought for us, rather than all the blessings that he's put in my life. And he certainly doesn't want that, and it doesn't help me in any way. So focusing on uh, my own life and what God is doing in my life and how to help other people. That's where other people come in is how to help them, not, oh, I wish I had that car, 
or I mean, you can appreciate things. That's not, it's, I don't think appreciating something is the same as coveting. You can appreciate, say, hey, that's a really nice car. That's cool. But if you say, oh my gosh, I wish I had that car and I'm never going to be satisfied until I have it, that's a problem. <laughs> um, so then what's the next step? <clears throat> well, as I mentioned, you guys saw last week, Katie talked about clutter. And that reminded me of a story. So many, many years ago, we don't need to know how many, I went on a mission trip to Spain. And I was there for six weeks, and the place that I was working with is a drug rehabilitation place. Um, and so they have lots of different activities for the members that live there to participate in to help bring in funds. And one of them is reupholstering, which I had never done before, I didn't know anything about it, but I thought it was kind of cool. So that particular day, they had assigned me to hang out with the people doing the reupholstering and maybe learn something. So I'm watching, <clears throat> and this chair, they bring this chair up, and the chair was clearly a well-made chair, it was nice, but it, you know, the, the fabric had gotten old and whatnot, and so they wanted to get it fixed up. The foam was clearly falling apart. So the first thing they had to do was take the chair apart, piece by piece. They took everything apart. It was all over the floor. There was all this foam laying everywhere that was falling apart and clearly old. The material was all ripped up and falling apart. And God said to me, this is what happens when you get rid of junk that's in your life and make room for me. And then slowly the person started to put the chair back together again, gave it new, uh, like, hardware, got the new foam set up, got the new um, the fabric. It was gorgeous, by the way. And then when they were done, it looked like this brand-new chair. So it went from, it was an okay chair, to completely fell apart, pieces everywhere, dirt everywhere, to this beautiful new piece. Then what happens to the chair after that? The chair goes either back to the original owner or it goes to a new home. It brings joy back into that person's life because now it's a new creation. Um, it, it may even have a place of honor as opposed to being stuck in the corner somewhere. Uh, and I feel like that's, that's what God was telling us is we get broken down. We talk about being broken in our songs even today. We get broken down into those pieces. The junk is gotten out of, the decluttering happens. Then you become this new creation and... What's your next step after that? So, oh, and I also, <laughs> it may inspire other acts of renewal and beauty. Um, so when, when you see this new chair, I remember thinking to myself, oh, I've got all these chairs at home that I could do this with now. I could make this chair look nice and we can sit. So it inspires more acts of that kind of renewal coming out, hopefully, hopefully. So what do I need to do to get rid what do I need to get rid of to really give my life to God? How should I be a steward of the life he's given me? Because despite the fact that most, I would say most Americans and probably most Christians think, well, I have this job, I earned this money, I bought these things, these are my things, I own them, people can't take them, etc. None of that's true. Everything that we have is a gift from God. Every dollar we earn is a gift from God. It all belongs to him for us to steward. And when I think about it that way, I think differently about the things that I are in my possession that I'm currently holding. <laughs> it's just a different, a different mindset. Um, but to be clear, this is not about salvation. Obviously, all we need to do to accept Christ is to ask him into our heart, admit that we're sinners, and put him in charge. Um, all we need to do, you know. Um, this is more about working out our faith. This is more about uh, how do we grow closer to him? How do we produce fruit? How do we 
um, draw others in. That's what this part, I think, is about. Obviously, if you want to keep your home, your inner home, beautiful and inviting for Christ, you want to avoid sinful things. That's a, that's a given. We all know that. Avoid sinful things. We don't always do it, but we all know it. <laughs> but it's just as bad to fill your temple with good things if God is not a part of it. So you can be doing all kinds of volunteer work, charity work, things in the church, all of that can be, you know, people can look up to you and say, hey, this person is really someone I admire. I'd like to join them in this endeavor. But if you're doing it for recognition and nothing else, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Now, good will still come out of it because God can use anything for good. We all know that. But you personally are going to be missing out. You're going to be missing out on what God has for you. You're missing out on his best options for you. Um, and we don't want to do that either. Um, so what do we do to make those changes? We'll start with the heart. The, the good person, this is from Luke 6, 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Um, this, I believe that's also in James, uh, the same kind of sentiment. So what we focus on, what we bring into our inner home, what we prize in our inner home, what we um, uh, hold up as good in our inner home, that's what's going to come out. That's what comes out to other people. That's what comes out probably when we pray, so to God. That's what comes out to ourselves. Um, so do we want that to be pure and noble things, which is the next uh, scripture reference, or do you want it to be junk? I don't want it to be junk for me. That's a challenge because we all, we're all human. We all have feelings. We all react to things. And this is not, I'm not saying that any of that stuff is not okay. It is. But because how you feel is how you feel. But what you do is how you feel is what's important. I can be mad. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I can be mad about something. But if I just dwell in that anger and use it to complain about things and use it to badmouth people and use it to gossip and all that, nothing is good is going to come from that. That's, it's a bad witness, and it only hurts me. But if I take that anger and I say, okay, I was angry about this. I'm going to forgive this person or forgive the situation or whatever happens to be. I'm going to learn from it and grow and move on. That's a whole different ballgame. You grow as a person, people even might see your reaction and maybe want to know what the difference is, and hopefully we all have an answer um, to be able to make it a better thing. But anyway, what we're supposed to be focusing on in our inner home. Finally, brothers, and this is uh, Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So I could spend all day griping about the gas prices and I don't love them. <laughs> or I could be thankful that I have the money to pay for it because I know that there are people who don't. So I personally have tried very hard not to complain about it because I know that just last year, I wouldn't have been able to pay for any of the gas that I can pay for now. So I try not to do things like that. But there are other areas where obviously I would still need to work on those things. That's just one example. Um, the next thing is to work on your mind. 
This is Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. And these are all ESV unless I say otherwise, but I think from here on out it's ESV. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So I would say that that's the, I would guess, direct opposite of the one that we just read. This is what you're supposed to avoid, and Philippians 4 is what you're supposed to focus on. So um, if someone does something to hurt you, you're going to be angry. But just don't dwell on it. That's, it's not helpful. I remember somebody did something to me. This isn't like high school or junior high. Somebody did something to me and I was real mad at them. Oh, I was so mad. And I was mad at him for like a year and a half. He did not care. There was nothing about that situation that affected him in any way. But I was mad all the time. How was that a good situation? <laughs> it's not. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It doesn't serve any good purpose for me just to be angry at this person. When I finally let it go, oh, it was such a relief. So much tension went out of me. Um, I was able to love him again. Um, it was a friend, just a friend. <laughs> but anyways, so um, when you hold a grudge against someone or you're angry with someone for a really long time, the only person that affects is you because that other person doesn't care. They probably don't even know. Like this person didn't live in my state, so it's not like I saw him ever. He had no idea I was still mad at him. It only affected me, <laughs> and that's the way it is. One of my uncles said, uh, staying angry at someone is like, how did he put it? Uh, taking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. Very much so. Don't poison yourselves. <laughs> um, Romans 12, 1 to 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We've talked about worship before and how important that is. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we don't want to look too much like everybody else, if that makes sense. We are set apart. We are holy because we've been sanctified by the blood of Christ. We are different if people cannot tell that we are different, then something needs to shift. Either our behavior or our thinking or our heart or whatever happens to be. Um, it, it, I'm not saying like slap them in the face with your Christianity. That's not what I mean because I don't think that helps either. But they have, to, they have to be able to see that there's something different. If you don't look different than anybody else that you're around that's a non-Christian, then maybe there's some inner cleaning that needs to happen. Just a thought. Um, get rid of all distractions. And I mean beyond what Katie was talking about with clutter. Get rid of even the distractions that you want to keep. So I don't know how many of you know this, but I am highly obsessed with office supplies. I love pens. So many pens I have. It's ridiculous. My stepdad is always saying, you can't use, possibly use all of those. I'm like, use them? <laughs> That's crazy talk. So I have all these pens at home, and I love them, and I enjoy them. They make me happy. Writing things make me happy, different kinds of inks and colors and all of that. Just, it just makes me happy, and I'm not alone. I'm part of a Facebook group, and there's thousands of us. I'm just saying. <laughs> but I will. <laughs> Are those pens so important to me that I would risk my relationship with God? Absolutely not. 
it would hurt <laughs> if he told me to get rid of all of them and just use pencils from now on. Oh, oh. But I would survive. I wouldn't love it, but I would grow to love it because that's what God wanted, right? So your hobbies, the things that you like to do that are not bad, like we don't consider having a lot of pens is not something that's going to, I don't know, ruin my life or uh, affect the people around me in a negative way. They're just pens. But what kind of place of honor do I give those things? Do I give them God's place? Ah, no. No, no, no. And anything that I do do that with, I absolutely need to adjust and, and look at things. And there are some things that I could probably get rid of. Like I like TV shows too. There's a lot of TV shows I like. It's not bad to like TV shows, but how much time a day do I spend on them? Probably too much. So that might be an area that, I, that is an area <laughs> that I probably need to look at. Um, Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, like pens, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, it just occurred to me, and maybe this is a God thing, I don't know. Um, if I, I used to think about this because, you know, I have, we've talked about the fact that I have anxiety. So I think about things happening that are just not going to happen. And there's no reason to waste this much time talking about it. But I used to worry almost every night, what if we have a fire? Are the things that I really think are important to me close enough for me to grab? It's like in junior high, this is happening. <laughs> so I had, I thought about those things. I would grab my flute. I would grab my, uh, things have changed a little bit now. I'd probably grab my tablet. Um, I'd, of course, grab the cat. This is after my parents, obviously. I'd make sure they were out first. Um, things like that. But now that I'm looking at this scripture, I'm thinking to myself, other than the living beings in the house, is there really anything that would be important enough to go back into a fire for? No. Not even pictures. I love pictures of my family. And you know, the older pictures and stuff, we don't have like digital versions of those unless we've scanned them. And even then, where do you keep them? In the house. So I would miss those things, but I still have the memories. So are the objects really that important? No. Is the flute that important? No. If I'm desperate, which I hardly ever played anymore, but if I was desperate enough, I could try to get another one. They're always on eBay and, you know, it's not like I can't replace that thing. I can't replace my mom. I can't replace my stepdad. Can't replace pets. Mostly. <laughs> no, you can't replace them. Um, so those things, obviously, you would want. And I would, I would even venture to say, you don't have to grab your Bible. I know. There are more available in stores. We've got a ton here for free. Don't risk your life or risk your relationship with God for something that can be replaced or that you don't need to live. And I mean live. I mean physically live. If those pens were taken away from me, I would still keep on breathing. I'd still have food. I'd still have water. I'd still have air, you know. Um, but if I lost Jesus, there would be no point to the rest of it, you know. Whew. Yeah, that was definitely not me. <laughs> um, the other thing to think about is those things, the, the stuff that we have, may bring us temporary happiness. And I'm glad that Katie pointed out the difference between happiness and joy. I've always felt the same way. Happiness is a temporary, uh, did she say circumstance-centered 
thing, whereas joy has nothing to do with your circumstances and everything to do with Jesus. So I don't want things that bring me temporary happiness to overshadow the one thing that brings me permanent joy. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm also not saying that we should give everything we own away and go live in the woods. I'd be the last person to do that. (laughs) I think that God allows us these things that we can enjoy. I don't think it's that he wants us to be miserable all the time in any way. He wants us to enjoy things that he's provided to us. We just have to remember that they're things. They're not our life. They're not our identity. They're not uh, what bring us salvation. They're just things to enjoy. They're not the end-all, be-all. We have to be willing to use anything that we own for the kingdom. So you have to be willing to give it up. If somebody... I don't know why this would be a desperate thing, but if someone's in desperate need of a pen and I have one, I need to let them use it. I didn't used to be able to do that. <laughs> so you have to be able to let those things go. If, if you have um, an extra $100 in your pocket in the month somehow and God is telling you, I want you to use it for this, you probably should use it for that. It's gonna bring you all kinds of blessings. I don't mean financial, spiritual blessings, and it will help somebody else. He's not always going to tell you to do something. He may just say, hey, here's an extra hundred bucks. Go have some fun, you know? I think he does that too. Uh, We just have to be open to hearing what he has to say and hearing what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do and be willing to do that thing. So take the action. We just, we can't hold so tightly onto our things that the Holy Spirit can't move them for the kingdom. Um... Mm-hmm. I already said that, so okay. Uh, Luke 1, 2 through 15. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I cannot stress that enough. That one kept coming back to me over and over this week while I was writing this, that uh, we are not our things. We never have been and we never will be. We are not our things. We are children of God. That's really all that matters. It's nice to have the other things, but that's the most important one. Um, and again, I'm not saying that things, having things is bad. I just have to remind myself that these things are not my identity and I can't hold on to them too tightly because they technically weren't mine to begin with. Everything that we manage, I'll use that word, everything that we manage is God's to be used how he wants it to be used. Hopefully we do it right. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Um, but our, our goal should be to use these things for the kingdom. So what's the result when we do this? After we've gotten rid of the clutter, after we've gotten rid of the things that we don't think are clutter, but actually are, (laughs) what happens after that? To have a fully intimate, pure, perfect relationship with the Trinity. That's what happens. Now, I'm not sure that that happens this side of heaven. I don't know. It doesn't seem possible because we're humans and we make mistakes all the time. And like, wasn't it Paul said, he said, I always do the things I don't want to do and not do the things that I want to do. So we know that we're going to make mistakes. That's why Jesus died. He died because he knows that we are incapable of doing these things on our own. That's why he helps us, why he paid for our sins. Um, But once we get to that place, again, probably in heaven, we have this incredible relationship with him. I would venture to say deeper than the one that he had with Adam and Eve before the fall. 
They might have been physically with him. I'm a little jealous, I'm not going to lie. But um, I think it's different. I feel like it's different after Jesus' sacrifice. It's just a, a, um, a whole different this. <laughs> it's just different. Um, God wants the best from us, and he wants to have a relationship with us. I don't know why. I really don't. I like uh, a lot of things that have to do with astronomy, space, not astrology. <laughs> um, and I am just blown away by how big it is. There may or may not be other beings out there. I don't know. That's irrelevant. But there are definitely other planets out there. There are definitely other galaxies out there. And we are nothing in the grand scheme of that. No, you couldn't even see us. I don't know how he even is aware that we exist and then he loves us as much as he does. If any of you um, read or watch sci-fi fantasy type stuff, I do a lot because I'm a big nerd. Um, any creature being that had even a tenth of God's power and everything else that he has would crush us like bugs. Wouldn't even occur to them that we were living beings worth noticing. And he sent his son to die for our sins. That blows me away. So the least that we can do is create spaces within us that are worthy of his dwelling so that we can be closer to him, that we can know him better, that we can serve him better, that we can tell other people about him better. That's the least we could do. Hmm. Uh, last thought, the things that we buy or do or say or think or hear or touch will only enhance or damage that relationship. So every time I'm confronted with, do I really need this new pen? I need to think to myself, well, is this going to help or hinder my relationship with God? Now, sometimes... It may not be much of one of those sides or the other, but I still need to think about how that's going to affect. Am, am I spending my money on something that could be spent on something for the kingdom? Maybe I am. Maybe the pen is part of, you know, writing, I don't know, writing messages or I don't know. But the point is you have to think about, we have to think about how we're getting closer to him or farther from him. Hopefully, we're all moving toward being closer to him. I feel like, at least in this church, I can say that most of us are, I feel like, trying to move toward him. So, all that being said, I just hope that God has used this message in some way, that it made sense, and that he was able to speak to us um, in a way that would help us to make a positive step toward him. Uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you again for this opportunity. I just pray that you would continue to work in our minds and hearts uh, through these scriptures, that you would encourage us to find more information and help us to move toward the decluttering and the clearing out of our homes to bring in the beautiful things that you have for us. Help us to ponder these things. In your precious name, amen.